Building wealth isn't just about hustle and grind. Every day, huge deals are being made, businesses and properties are changing hands, and a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward. If you want to be part of that small group of people, then this show is for you. Now, here's your host, Jim Oliver. Before we jump into today's show, we have some exciting news to share with you. Our brand new online community platform is now live. Get access to free on-demand in-depth training courses on topics like infinite banking, cryptocurrency, real estate investing, and much more. Just go to community.createtailwind.com. That's community.createtailwind.com. Or check the show notes of this episode to find the direct link to request to join the community. Now, on to the show. Welcome back, Breakaway Wealth. I'm your host, Jim Oliver. And with me today, I'm excited to have Michelle Kimbrough. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for coming and thank you for spending some time with us. And I'm really excited about what you're going to talk about because we've never had anybody talk about what you're going to talk about. So tell us a little bit about you, what you're doing, how you kind of got into this, and we'll kind of set the stage and then we'll dig a little deeper. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a former healthcare executive uh, turned entrepreneur investor. Uh, I realized a long time ago that the corporate world was not for me. And so I started a consulting firm and uh, life changes. And I started looking at other opportunities that you know would enable me to have uh, cash flow and passive income. So I got into real estate and like everybody, I was looking at single family homes. And <laughs> one day I woke up and I realized I'm gonna need to buy a lot of homes to replace my current income. So I got into real estate syndications and that led me to uh, the energy sector and opportunities around carbon capture technology. So that's that's what I'm doing now. And I live in the beautiful state of Montana now, a California transplant, not sure if I can say that. <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm proud to be a Montanian now. <laughs> nice, nice. Have you been there for the winter? That's what I want to know. Yes. And okay, I'm going to tell everybody it's yeah. absolutely terrible. Do not come here. That's what I would tell people. I lived in South Dakota and I would tell people, don't come here. I tell people I live in Florida year round now and I tell people it's way too hot. It's so humid. Don't come here because, yes. yeah, I do the same thing, Michelle. Um, so I understand when I lived in Denver, People would say, well, how do, how do you deal with the snow? And I'd say, yeah, the snow is horrible. Don't come here. But guess what? They didn't listen to me. They all came there from California, and they kind of <laughs> turned Colorado into California. And uh, and I don't mean that in a good way. <laughs> yeah, there is a uh, bumper sticker in Kalispell that people have on their vehicles, and it says, keep Cali out of Cali. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, okay. So that's cool that you escaped the People's Republic of California and uh, uh, in all of their uh, socialist ways. So that's good because if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to help people and make money, show people how to make money, that is not a great environment to do it because they want to tax you till there's no, uh, till there's no money left for you. Right. So let's, yeah, 
Absolutely. It's the highest tax state in the United States. Um, I, I think just with personal income tax, it's it can be 56, 57 percent if they increase the state personal income tax. And then you have sales tax and property tax. So if you really look at it over half of your income, maybe more, depending what tax bracket you're in, uh, goes to pay taxes. So it's a very difficult environment to get ahead in. You know, that's my favorite example of California tax and federal income tax is Ronald Reagan. And back in the day, Ronald Reagan was paid $100,000 per picture that he made, right? And he only made two pictures a year. And the reason is, this is during the 40s, is that the federal income tax rate was like 94% or something like that. And then he had California tax on top of that, which was like six or 7%. So he actually made no money after, and, and the threshold was $200,000. So mm -hmm. after he would make, if he made three pictures, he would actually make the third movie for free because of taxes. And, and so think about that. They, they, they were basically saying that's all the money that you can make in this country. And which is crazy but um, so he just said, I'll make two. He never made any movies like after June. They were all made in the beginning of the year. And then he just stopped working. Well, um, I don't know. I think taxes are going up. I don't think it mat matters that much who's in control. Taxes have to go up. It's just math. So if taxes are going to go up, then we have to do what? We have to figure out something in the tax code that we can avoid tax. And um I love, and I don't care whether you love him or hate him, but I love that a few years ago, I think it was like the Today Show, they, I was just flipping around and they said, you know, uh, Donald Trump is a terrible business person. He lost over a billion dollars in these 10 years. And I'm thinking, no, 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 they're going to tell everybody about depreciation and real estate. I don't want them to tell everybody that. No, they didn't tell everybody that. They just wanted to bash Donald Trump. And he just like shakes his head. Yep, I'm a terrible businessman. You know, he doesn't say that, but he's just like, you guys don't get it, right? So before we talk about depreciation, which is one of my favorite things, especially accelerated depreciation, let's talk about what is carbon capture. Yeah, absolutely. So carbon capture technology has been around for a decade or two. Uh, you may have heard of carbon credits and things like that, incentivizing, um, you know, uh, industrial uh, people that off gas CO2, oil companies, natural gas companies, anybody that would have a byproduct of CO2, they're given carbon credits to capture, sequester, and process that. So traditionally, there's large standalone buildings that are attached to a plant. Um, they cost tens of million dollars to run, to build, and they still have to transport that gas somewhere else to be processed and held, whether it be held offshore or it be held back in a storage tank back down into the ground. So it becomes very costly for these companies to do that, but they're also incentivized to do it, right? So um, what happens is as that off gas is coming out of the earth or whatever process that they're doing, manufacturing, whatever, um, it goes into the plant and it's processed. 
held, sequestered, we call that, and then it's loaded up into a truck and then it's hauled off to a processing plant. So at the end of the day, you know, they're incentivized to do this, but it's very, very costly to do that. So that, in a nutshell, that's what uh, carbon capture is it's also done offshore and there's uh like if you look at the shipping industry they're trying to figure out a way that the ships going back and forth across pacific and the atlantic can actually sequester uh co2 because they i don't know if you've (laughs) been to long beach or any big port you can see how much you know gas comes out of there so um it's been around for a while uh and the tax code is incentivizing companies to do that that's awesome well, I mean, anytime we can get uh, tax incentives, but so when, you know, we, we talk about sometimes the easiest thing that, uh, or the most common thing I should say that people talk about when they talk about depreciation, especially accelerated depreciate appreciation is like cost segregation or something like on a, on a building or a business that you're buying car washes are kind of popular right now because that's one of the reasons right is none of the equipment is going to last over 20 years or whatever and uh so talk to people about accelerated depreciation so like kind of maybe walk us through an example uh because i think that this is an area that is going to become so important especially with all of these new irs agents right it's going to be so important I like to remind uh, my clients that uh, the IRS can't disprove anything that you can prove, right? Correct. And, and so this is all legitimate things that we can do. You just have to actually do it, right? So talk about depreciation, accelerated depreciation, et cetera. Right. So let me first talk about our technology that we're doing and how it's different from the standalone. So we have the only patented mobile carbon capture technology um, and we have contracts with Exxon and we're operating in the West Permian Basin. So instead of having a standalone building that is connected to an industrial Uh, site or say a a, uh, gas or well processing plant, we actually are in service in the oil fields or natural gas fields directly to the pipeline. So our technology sits in the field on top of the pipeline and there's a solvent that is created through a front end cold distillation process. And as the natural gas comes out of the well site, it goes into our technology and the solvent absorbs the CO2 and cleans it at the same time to EPA standards. That is then re-injected back into that same well site for something called enhanced oil recovery. Um, This saves Exxon a lot of money because like I said, they would have to, you know, get a truck, back it up, you know, sequester the CO2 and then haul it off to a processing plant where they can either hold it or sell it to a secondary market. But here they're able to have, you know, a point of service access. So it's a closed service, comes out, processes and goes back into the well. So what we do is we raise capital uh, to purchase the equipment and we, you know, 
revenue share with Exxon with the additional uh, barrels of oil or natural gas that comes out of the well site. So we can leverage a particular portion of the tax code that is favorable to oil and gas and actually leverage bonus depreciation in year one for our investors. So I and this is, I think, as you know, this is the last year for bonus depreciation at 100%. And I think next year it goes to 80%. And it's a 20% reduction until it's phased out, which hopefully it's not phased out. Because right. I, like the, I like the accelerated bonus depreciation. So that's kind of what our investment does. So if you look at somebody in California that's in a 40% tax bracket, um, if they invest in this technology, you know, we'll just use round numbers because it's easy math and it's early early in the morning, we'll use a $100,000 investment. Well, with bonus depreciation at 100%, that will actually yield 2x their initial investment. So $200,000 in uh, bonus depreciation. And then if you look at their basis of their tax bracket for 40%, they can actually reduce their taxable income by $80,000, which is huge if you're looking at somebody that's living in a high income tax state. So I think that's what makes this particular investment so attractive. Plus, it also cash flows. Um, so it's it's really nice around that. Well, and that's the thing that's pretty cool is it has a really nice projected return. And I, I know it's a projection. But the one thing that I always look at is cash on cash, right? And I do an example when I show people infinite banking, and I show them 25% cash on cash. And if I get somebody inexperienced, and I'm not knocking anybody for being inexperienced. They they say to me, Jim, isn't 25% high? And I say, all of the people that I know that know what they're doing, they always say the 25% is low. And I say, yeah, I'm just using a number. I'm just giving an example of what you can do. So you guys project cash on cash 40%. That's correct, because we pay preferred quarterly returns. It's a flat rate that we pay. So again, using the $100,000 example, um, that would yield $10,000 a quarter, which is $40,000 a year in cash flow for seven years, uh, plus the bonus depreciation in year one. So the, the type of person that this investment would help is somebody that's looking for the tax play to reduce their taxable income and something that cash flows. So that's how we're able to get the 40% cash on cash. And if you average the annual rate of return over the seven years, it, it's between 25 and 26% return. Wow. That's, that's pretty, I mean, where else are you going to get that, right? It, in today's age, it's very difficult, and especially with the real estate market uh, starting to contract. Um, people are very scary of real estate right now and trying to jump into a deal because we don't know where interest rates are going. We don't know where inflation is going. We have projections and thoughts on where we think it's going to go. And now we have this additional um, 87,000 IRS agents who will be going after people's apartment buildings, you know, looking for, did they do cost segregation, you know, correctly and things like that. So I think that makes this alternative investment even that much more attractive to people uh, because it is pretty straightforward. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's what it's, it, it, it's uh, surprisingly simple, right? Um, I always say simplicity is elusive, but um, what I, there's a lot of people out there that are doing infinite banking and we have people that are putting hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars a year through their infinite banking system. 
And when we do that, Michelle, we show people that, you know, when you, if you have a million dollars in your insurance contract, you can borrow a million dollars of the insurance company's money and put it in cash flowing assets like this. Here's the number one thing that I hear all the time. I don't know what the, you know, I, it's not the number one. A lot of times, if, if I have any objection, it's just that they don't know what to do with the money, right? Now, if I want to get in real estate, that's great, but I got to educate myself or I got to find a syndicator that I trust. I got to do all of those things, hope that they make good decisions, blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. I want to take failure out of the equation. So I like this because I, I literally have dozens, if not hundreds of people that uh, are looking for things like this. And so um, it's very cool. How do people, you know, how do people learn more about it? I mean, I, and, and I've got a couple of, uh, uh, of pieces that I will um, put in the show notes if you want me to, or if you want a different way of people to contact you and learn more. How do people learn more? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually have a white paper. Uh, they can email me. I'm more than happy to give that to them. Uh, if you want, maybe we can provide a link uh, yeah. you know, to my email address that they can email me. And it, it goes over carbon capture technology as a whole and the different types and the reasons why we're doing it. Um, so the technology side of it, and then it also goes into our solution with a mobile uh, carbon capture. Um, and then uh, they can learn about that. So they can email me at Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E -L -L -E, at gopolarisinvestments.com. I'll be more than happy to share that white paper with them. I also have an executive summary from a previous fund that I can share as well that gives a little bit more of the nuts and bolts to how the fund is set up. Uh, one thing to know, Jim, this is a 506C offering, so it is for accredited investors only. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and, you know, a lot of and there's a lot of things out there that that you have to be an accredited investor. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are clients that um, that know that um, trying to think of other questions. I mean, you, you know, this is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, I, there's no really objections, you know, like I do a lot of crypto mining and we uh, we're, we're, we're using the natural gas that's expelled from a from a drilling site. And, you know, crypto gets this, you know, especially mining gets this kind of negative attention of being, you know, uh, not green, you know, blah, 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 blah. But the way that we're doing it, it actually is. I don't, what's the objections? What do, what, what do people say that don't do this? Why, why would somebody object to this? Right. So in order for us to um, leverage that portion of the tax code that will yield the bonus depreciation, we have all of our investors personally guarantee the amount of their investment on the loan. But that's really not any different than if you were to go and do an apartment syndication or buy a home, you'd sign on the mortgage anyhow. And that's only for year one. And per the tax code, that creates that working interest in the well by doing that. So some people do have some pushback because they don't want to sign on the loan because they feel it's too risky. But if you really look at it, if you're going to do an apartment syndication as a GP or if you're going to go invest in, you know, single family homes, you'd have to sign on the loan anyhow. So it really, it really 
really is a wash when you kind of frame it that way. And in year two, we automatically roll the investor over into an LP, which totally mitigates their risk on that. Cool. Yeah. And you know, what people don't really understand is like, and again, we'll use uh, uh, a multifamily. If you, if I sign on a multifamily 80%, let's say it's or 70% loan, it's not like it's going to go from whatever the value is, let's say a million dollars to zero. So it's not like I'm risking all of that $700,000. I'm, I'm the, the worst case scenario, I'm risking some downturn of some sort or you know, I mean, so it's not, I always don't get hung up on that. I mean, uh, so I, I, I'm sure you don't either, especially in this scenario where it's really for a year um, and, and the depreciation and everything else that I'm getting in that year is just ph phenomenal. And, you know, when I'm looking at, you know, it's the end of August and December 31st is coming up pretty quick. And there are, there are, you know, if I look at other things that are out there, like other strategies with land that I can do to get some depreciation, but that the IRS is really looking at hard, I would think that the IRS wouldn't really look at this hard because it's simple. It's, um, you know, it's, I, I don't know what they would, what they would object to. Have you had it challenged? I mean, is there anything to challenge in court? Has that been challenged? No, and it's interesting that you brought that up because uh, I work with several CPAs and they have been contacting me saying, Michelle, when are you going to open up a fund? Because this is exactly where our clients need to be putting their money because the IRS won't be looking there first. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it is pretty straightforward and simple. And we're leveraging that that portion of the oil and gas code in the IRS uh, code. Uh, so it is pretty simple. So, you know, there's nothing to question as far as cost segregation or or anything like that. You know, it's very straightforward, very simple. You know, I was talking to somebody yesterday and they said they've been audited eight out of the last nine years. And you know what uh, triggers their audit every time is the amount of their charitable giving. But what they're mm -hmm. doing is they're actually loaning money to churches. And in the way that they're doing it with infinite banking is it's really smart for the church. It's really good for them. But the IRS doesn't like it. So they keep looking at it. Now, eight of the nine years, um, I mean, all eight of the audits have been zero changes. But still, going through an audit is going through an audit. So uh, you'd think the IRS would learn, but that kind of shows you right there that they'll just keep knocking, you know? Yeah, I, I think, I don't know if this is okay to say, but I think the IRS is kind of like a, a bad itch. Like yeah. <laughs> once, they, once they get in there, they never go away. And you can be as clean as, as Mr. Clean himself, and they will still come. They will still come in. I think that's something people need to understand, you know, and it just becomes a, 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 unfortunately, it becomes just a normal practice in business once you know that they're never going to go away. They'll always come, you know. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, you better have good advice and you better have good strategies, because if you think making a million dollars or whatever your goal is, five million dollars a year, and then you just pay 60% of that and tax, like if you're in California and you just go, well, that's just part of uh, doing business in the United States. Well, no, it's not, but you can't be afraid and you can't be intimidated. You have to do things the right way. You have to have great records. And again, 
just to reiterate, the IRS can't disprove anything that you can prove. If, yep. if, if you've got all the documents, you've got everything, they, they, they punt, you know, they, they go the other way. The, the key is they want to, and it's, it's the funny thing is um, not to get off on this, but they would much rather have a simple audit. You know, they would much rather audit somebody making 50 grand a year or a hundred grand a year that took some like, Hey, prove to me that you had the, uh, where are those receipts? Oh, if I try to get, if I audit 10 people and I find three people that don't have the receipts and I'm going to really nail them, that's what they want quick and easy. Yeah. Right. What they exactly. last thing that they want is somebody to say, okay, you know what? I'll, uh, I'll take you to court. I'm going to challenge this. That's the last exactly. thing that they want. So only people, by the way, people that make 50 and 75, $100,000 a year don't do that. They just go, okay, what do I owe? 10 grand more? Okay, I guess I'll take it out of my savings. You know? Uh, yeah. And I think they know that too. So they want the easy rollover, you know, yeah. and people don't. And and I think you alluded earlier, educating yourself around these things. And, and this investment, you know, is one of them. Um, if you, if you know the rules and you have good record keeping, uh, you know, there, there's not going to be anything there for them and that you can challenge them in tax court. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that because I don't think that, uh, these 87,000 IRS agents have an MBA. So, oh, you right. know, just be a little bit smarter than them and know the rules and do everything right and have a good CPA. Um, I always cringe when people tell me they do their own taxes. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. It's, that's number one red flag. Um, but yeah, you know, yeah. you it, it's not normal to pay 60% of your hard earned money to the government. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pay our fair share. I agree that we should, but 60% is ridiculous. And if you live in high tax states like California, in New York, that is what you are paying. And six months, the first six months of the year, you are working for the government. Right, right. Well, you know, uh, about having your own CPA, isn't what's that um, saying about somebody who represents themselves in court is uh, they have a fool for a client. And uh, uh, I always think that about people that do their own taxes, you know, <laughs> that you have a fool for a client. So, um, yeah. All right, Michelle. Well, this is really interesting. And yeah, I do want to have you back on and talk more um, about this. And maybe, you know, on our community, we could put together some kind of course over the next few months where we could really walk somebody through and have some videos to educate people on this. You may already have that content that we could convert. But uh, I think this is uh, unique. And I've not had anybody else come on and talk about this. So, um, and I've not heard a lot about this and especially the technology that you guys have. So this is, this is really uh, cool and I'm intrigued by it. And we'll definitely be talking here in the next few weeks about what I can do to save some taxes and uh, obviously make a return on my money. Um, but as we wrap this up, Michelle, if, uh, if God came down from heaven and said that you could only retain the knowledge that you've received from one book that you've read, what would that book be? Well, that would be the famous purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, Assets Over Liabilities. And I think the biggest takeaway from there is your house is not an asset. I I agree with you. And the other one is savers are losers. And, yes. You know, I mean, uh, I love Robert Kiyosaki. I don't love his podcast. I hope, I mean, he's probably never going to listen to my podcast, but I, I, I 
but I love his books. And um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is, I just uh, bought it for a friend of mine who's 20 year old and never read it. And, and by the way, his dad works for Morgan Stanley. So, oh. you know, he, he, <laughs> he was going to go to work at Morgan Stanley, didn't like it. So it kind of saved him. And I said, okay, read the stuff in this book, do this. Doesn't matter what you do when you're exchanging your time for money. This will help you not exchange your time for money. And you've got to change your paradigm before it's in cement, like some of uh, uh, people that we talk to or that we see out there every day that are investing in Wall Street. Because there's nothing, by the way, that Wall Street can show you that can do what Michelle is showing you and talking to you about today. Nothing. I mean, well, I, sh I shouldn't say that. Uh, somebody's going to throw something at me. But I promise you that uh, most of the stuff in Wall Street is is going to net you very low single digits, if not zero after inflation. So, uh, and you get to take all the risk and most of, most of the reward goes to other people. So um, Michelle, this has been great. I'm very intrigued. Give everybody your website one more time. Yeah, absolutely. So if they want to learn about the carbon capture, they can go to uh, Empire Investor. So that's E-M-P-R investor.com and if they would like the white paper they can email me directly at michelle that's m-i-c-h-e-l-l-e -E, at go polaris lean or i'm sorry polaris investments.com awesome awesome all right thank you very much michelle this has been great and uh audience definitely look into this educate yourself see if this is right for you in, in uh doesn't hurt to reach out to Michelle and get more information. Until next time, I'm going to let Earl uh, Nightingale take it away, as we always do. Earl. Here's the key to success and the key to failure. We become what we think about. Now, let me say that again. We become what we think about. Once again, thank you so much for taking the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. If you are looking to discover new wealth building strategies, then go to community.createtailwind.com. That's community.createtailwind.com to join our free online community and get access to free courses and in-depth training videos designed to help you build wealth and break away from the herd. Click the link in the show notes to access the community today. Thanks again for listening.